Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, dear friends, and welcome to the Chosen People. We're so glad that you're taking some time out of your busy day to join Bobby and I to understand the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. We're going to be seeing how the Jewish background, that includes some bits of Jewish tradition, but mostly the Old Testament scriptures. We're going to see how that really gives us a window into the gospel, and most importantly today, into the person of Jesus himself. Hmm. Because it's not as if uh, God became flesh and just popped up without any previous warning. <laughs> you know, there was, a, there was a lot of prophecy and covenant making prior to Jesus coming who came in the fullness of time. And there were a lot of reasons uh, why we think that was the fullness of time. But this was the golden moment for God to fulfill these promises and uh, take on flesh and move his way towards what turned out to be a pretty short life to become the savior of the world. And uh, Bobby, he had to be God in the flesh because he had to be perfect. Because if he wasn't perfect, then how could he have died for our right. sins? Yeah, he would no longer be a valid sacrifice. Without blemish, morally or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the funny thing is also, and we'll get into this later when we look at Isaiah 53 down the road, but uh, there was nothing attractive about him. It, it didn't have a magnetic personality, so to speak. But he was humble servant. And uh, I mean, everything you think about when you think about incarnation, you think about God coming in the flesh, you know, you expect that people would be following him and attracted to him and he would be worshipped. You don't expect a, a humble servant who eventually endures capital punishment that mm -hmm. he didn't deserve, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's the opposite of what we would expect in some ways. The Jewish people also probably expected a ruler who would conquer the Romans and set up his throne and would lead the Jewish people from, once again, like the Passover, from from bondage to freedom, right. but Jesus didn't exactly do that. He didn't come to win an earthly battle. He came to settle a heavenly score right. by dying for our sins. Right, yeah, and honestly, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, the contrast between King Saul and King David. Yes. Right, King Saul looked the, looked the part. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. He was the one that the people cried out for. But then when it came to uh, King David being anointed, well, he was the forgotten son. He was the, the right. one who was left out in the field. But he was learning the trade of loving people by being right. a shepherd, you know? Right. And uh, oh, there's so much to say about all this. But we're going to focus again on the Gospel of Matthew, just the first couple of chapters, because it's possible that John is more Jewish than Matthew, or maybe Matthew's more Jewish than John. You know, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to heaven. We'll talk, sit down with both of them and discuss this. I, and I think we could do another radio program. I bet you that w you would love to hear an interview that Bobby and I do with Matthew and with John. You know, I'm sure that they have, a, they have lots to say, but you won't care about radio at that time. Um, <laughs> so let's just take a look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I love this birth passage. 
And uh, for me, it's got prophetic elements to it, pathos. It's got humor to it. It's so, it, it's just so human, you mm-hmm. know? And it's one of the things I love about the Bible. It's God's word, but so approachable and, and so practical. So let's, let's take a look at it. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. I always thought Christ was his last name, Bobby, you know, growing <laughs> so up. So did I. <laughs> but he, that was not his last name. It was a title. Yeah. So Christ means anointed one. Mashiach, Messiah, means anointed one. So Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. Okay, so Matthew's going to lay it out for us. When his mother Mary, by the way, that's Miriam uh, in Hebrew, so when his mother Miriam, Mary, had been betrothed, now that's a contractual arrangement prior sometimes to the birth of a child, but sometimes after the child's a baby or a little bit older, between two Jewish families, uh, that's a, considered a betrothal. And uh, there's a contract written called the ketubah, and also there is um, money that's passed mm-hmm. from person to person. Yeah, a dowry. To secure the contract. It's, right. it's, it's a, a dowry. So when his mother Mary or Miriam had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. You know, some people make this into a great romantic story about Joseph and uh, Mary. And, um, you know, I'm sure, like, my, my grandparents were in an arranged marriage, hmm. I mean, in Europe. And so Jewish people have been doing it, and ultra-Orthodox Jews continue to do it. Yes, yeah. And uh, so it's not usually a romance till they've been married for a while, and hopefully it works out. Mm-hmm. So she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So this is the greatest scandal possible. This was a crime that would lead to stoning and uh, embarrassment and shame and almost removal from the community. There couldn't be something worse than a virgin becoming pregnant. I mean, it, it, it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. And so sometimes when I read this passage, I think about how gracious and wonderful Joseph was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we look in verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her away to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So God not only picked the right woman, he picked the right man. And I think we need to notice that. But as he considered these things, here comes the shocker to Joseph. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. So we have two sons of David. Mm. Uh, here, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What he thought that meant, I have I, that I'm definitely going to ask him when I see him. <laughs> then in verse 21, she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, Yeshua. It's really a, a name that's based off of Joshua, Yehoshua. Right. Uh, God is the Savior. It's a shortened version. But here's, here's the definition. So, he, you shall call his name Jesus. God is a savior, but here's why. For he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to be a perfect sacrifice. Jesus was born to fulfill all of the messianic prophecies about the Messiah dying for our sins, Isaiah 53 mm-hmm. and others. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord spoke by his prophet. 
And here comes the prophetic voice. And Bobby, you're going to unpack this and explain it to us, I hope. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what should Joseph and Mary really have been expecting if they paid attention to Old Testament prophecy? What should the Jewish people have expected? So instead of a scandal, if a woman said, God impregnated me by his spirit, I mean, wouldn't that, shouldn't that have been a testimony to the fact that the, Mary was carrying the Messiah in her womb? So unpack it. What's, what's the background of this passage? Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, this is a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where, you know, and Matthew quotes it uh, pretty directly. Uh, where God is promising that the Savior of the world, that God with us, Emmanuel, God would put on flesh, right? And remember, this is sort of what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. God would put on flesh and tabernacle among us, and the Word would become flesh. And the way that it would happen is that God would choose a virgin, uh, a young woman who is not married, who has not been with a man, and not, even when you go to back, disturb you, Bobby, but a Jewish virgin, yes, from a daughter of Abraham, correct, and from the tribe of Judah, and from the house of David, correct. So it was very specific, very specific, yes. Uh, and when we go back to uh, the Hebrew in Isaiah seven, the word that's used there for virgin, sometimes there have been, you know, debates or or challenges. Uh, to whether or not this actually can be translated as virgin, or is it just a young woman? Now, regardless, okay, it, it is used for both. It can be translated both ways. But if you have a young woman who is not married, the implication is that she is a virgin. Okay, there's there's really no other way to look at <laughs> or it. Or else she'd be a dead virgin. Exactly, exactly. Right, <laughs> a so, dead non-virgin. Yeah, so now what, what is significant about this? Well, I mean, there's great significance to this because this is God showing his miraculous sovereign hand at work in putting on human flesh. And, and God has a track record with this. I mean, it, it's an echo of what we find in the very first promise of the Messiah in Genesis chapter 3, that it would be the seed of the woman, right? Right. Even back then... Um, uh, there was an understanding among the ancient Near Eastern people that uh, the woman did not have the seed part in the, you know, in the process of uh, conceiving. It's okay, Bobby. We understand. You have you, two kids. I have two kids. Exactly. We, people, exactly. people listening to us understand that. Yeah. They're adults. Yeah. It's okay. So, uh, God promises it there, but then also, again, like he has a track record. So, what we talked about last week in Genesis chapter 18 with, with Abraham and Sarah, uh, even there, we see God miraculously step in uh, to conceive and, and to, to make it possible for uh, this child t to be born in what is identified in Sarah as she was beyond childbearing years. Her womb was essentially dead, but yet so, God stepped in. So you have a, a miraculous birth leading to a miraculous birth. Exactly. Exactly. All for a... Uh, a bigger purpose. Again, going back to these covenant promises that we've been talking about. So uh, there would be no Jewish people without a miraculous birth, and there would be no Messiah without a miraculous birth. Yes, yes. Yeah. And there would be, by extension, 
there would be no salvation for the world without these miraculous births. <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah, it's awesome. So, um, I don't know what Joseph felt after he woke up, but, you know, verse 24, <laughs> when, when J- Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. I, I mean, I just so admire Joseph. Mm. I guess I look at this from a man's perspective, too, yeah. from a husband's perspective, yeah. you know. And uh, But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. That, to me, is amazing. It was because the scripture actually teaches the opposite. Right. You know, that they're supposed to know one another. And yet, uh, he wanted to make sure that everybody knew that she really was a virgin before Mm -hmm. this person was born because he now understood the scope and magnitude of who was about to be born. And that person who would be born would be the savior of the world, God in the flesh. Right. And the fulfillment of these great Old Testament promises. Yeah. And, and I love how Matthew, you know, sort of like we've been saying here, uh, Matthew is grounding all of this, the identity of Yeshua as a human being, right? The son of David, the son of Abraham, a Jewish man, uh, but also the son of God, right? Uh, deity, fully God, fully man. Try and figure that one out, everybody, you know. <laughs> but we know it's true. New York City, home to an estimated 1.6 million Jewish people. At Chosen People Ministries, we gather believers from all over the country every summer to proclaim the good news of Jesus the Messiah to Jewish people all around the city. We engage in street outreach and follow-up, We also invite our volunteers to a special Jewish cultural day, Sabbath dinner celebration, and more. If you have a heart for the Jewish people and love to talk about Jesus, visit chosenpeople.com slash shalomnewyork to find out more. That's chosenpeople.com slash shalomnewyork. We hope to see you this summer. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a chosen people trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. Well, right now we're going to hear from Isla Baum, a Jewish woman who tried to connect with God in her local synagogue, but she could not feel him there. And when a Christian author introduced her to the Messiah, she knew she had found the connection and relationship that she was looking for. When I was nine years old, we moved to the United States uh, from Jerusalem. And the number one song in the country was Anne Marie, One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus. 
And I'll never forget, my mom comes into the car and I'm like, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. My mom says, what did you say, my mouth? And I, I'm singing the song. She's like, Lombrim Jesus, we don't say Jesus. But why? In Hebrew, she says, Zayeshu. I grew up not being able to say that name. My son at the age of five was diagnosed with Asperger's. He was not verbal. He was very distant. He was the cause of me going back to school and becoming a special education teacher. I knew a lot about science. I studied a lot about everything, but I really never even opened the Bible. Ironically, I was teaching Hebrew school as a side job, teaching the prayers, teaching the liturgy. I mean, I knew everything. I, I had seen my father pray the prayers and put on the tallit, and, and I know all of the rhetoric and everything that, you know, goes along with being Jewish, but I didn't feel any connection to God. I would sit at synagogue, and I tried to feel something. I tried to feel God. And it wasn't, it was like the Chagall stained glass windows and everybody around me and the Bima and the Ark and the Torah being taken out. And I felt, I remember feeling nothing. At my school, I worked at an after-school program and there was a woman um, that had wrote, written a book called Jesus, Can I Talk to You? So she said to me, I don't have money to hire an editor. Would you help me edit my book? And I said, well, I don't know anything about Jesus. So I do know about writing. I know about English. I know about commas. I know about semicolons. I just don't know anything about Jesus. It was a lot of stuff from the Old Testament. And I'm like, um, and, and I would see things like, you know, uh, this is from Ecclesiastes or this is from, you know, Samuel or Kings. And I was like, these are our, our books. This came from the Jewish Bible. I never read the Bible. I read about the fact that he would be pierced, and that's exactly what happened to Jesus. And for the first time, the Bible came alive to me, and it's Isaiah 53. And, you know, I said, how can you miss this? It's like right there. It's right there in the scripture, in our, in our book, saying the prayer and asking for him to come into my life. And I accepted him as my savior, even though I just became a believer in the Jewish Messiah, but in Jesus, whose name I can't even say at the private Jewish school. Whoa, this is too weird. The grandson of the head of our Judaics program, and the first year that he was there, he, you know, would talk to me and, and I would say, oh, it's time to go to tefillah. You know, students were required to go to prayer and you must go to tefillah. He's like, I hate tefillah. I'm like, your grandfather is the head of the Judaic program of the school. And so he comes up and he puts a keep on my head and he's like, you're like a rabbi because rabbi in Hebrew means teacher. He goes, I could just see it. One day you're going to become a Hasidic. And I said, no, 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 Joshua. <laughs> totally the furthest thing I'm going to become. He says to me, he goes, I don't understand you. What kind, like, do you keep Shabbat? What kind of a Jew are you? What do you mean, what kind of a Jew am I? And he goes, there's something different about you. There's, I don't know what it is. There's something different about you. And I said, Joshua, sit down. I really respect you. And I'm going to tell you, uh, what's different about me is that I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And 
and his eyes got wide and he stood up and he pointed at me. He's like, I knew it, I knew it. You're, you're always talking about love and stuff. And, and, and the students know, they know. I, I can talk about God all day. See, I couldn't do that in public school. Public school, you can't talk about God, but at a private Jewish school, I could talk about God all day. And you know, sometimes they'll, they'll go, you know, they, they test me and, and sometimes I get really close and they really question like, what am I really saying? But if they ever come to me and say, what do you really believe like Joshua does or did, I would tell them, I believe that Jesus is my Messiah. Coming out of the Messianic closet, that's pretty much a good way to put this. I'm, I've gone against completely against the grain. You know, when you go against the grain, like you get splinters. It's not easy. It's not been an easy path for me, especially knowing what I know and hearing what I hear, how the rabbis talk about him, how the students mock him. And I say, okay, I'm here for you. I wanna stay here, you know? And people ask me, aren't you afraid if they find out at your school that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that you'll get fired? And I'm like, so? God will always provide. He has through everything and he always delivers. He took it on the cross for me. Jesus died so that I could be born again. The greatest pain is to give up your own child. How much God must have loved us to give up his only son for us. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program or how you can partner with us this year, then let me encourage you to stop by our website. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. I really hope you'll do that, friends. And I know that uh, you'll be blessed to get more engaged with Chosen People Ministries as we reach Jewish people all over the globe. And one of our favorite places to reach Jewish people, because there are so many there, is the nation of Israel. And I know that you pray for the peace of Jerusalem and, and that you care. Uh, we're excited because we just began the purchase of a new messianic center, a 4,000-square-foot center in Tel Aviv. And it's right on the Ramat Gan border, which is a major suburb just outside of uh, Tel Aviv. Our present outreach center across the street is the home base for what I think is a, a genuine, authentic, amazing movement of the Spirit of God among Jewish-Israeli young adults. By God's grace, we'll be able to move into this new center sometime uh, towards December, we hope. Our plan is to reach Jewish people there as we're doing before, but we, we've run out of room. Sometimes we have over 100 young people there, and we only seat about 50 or 60. So you can imagine, it's a real squeeze. And so we do concerts and dinners and evangelistic lectures and a variety of programs designed for the whole family, including the children. And so we really need you to stand with us in prayer. So connect with us, would you please, at chosenpeople.com forward slash radio. And when you reach out today, be sure to ask for our latest resource on Israel called The People, the Land, and the Future of Israel. It's free and available right now on DVD or as a digital download. So call us today. The number to dial is 888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA the Hebrew name for Jesus. And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. 
Yivarechecha Adonai Vishmarecha Ya'er panavelecha Vichunecha Yisa Adonai panavelecha Vyasem lecha Shalom Vyasem lecha Shalom Vyasem lecha Shalom Vyasem lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.